This podcast is proudly supported by Drama Victoria. Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman and today we're doing a beginner's guide to safety and ethical working practices in the theatre. Brendan Carroll from Peninsula Grammar is joining us. Of course, this is important for VCE theatre studies, but the course is designed to increase appreciation and understanding of the form, so this guide may be helpful to anyone working in the theatre looking to develop their understanding. Please note that this episode was recorded while under quarantine and online, so if there was any delay or miscommunication between us, that is why. If possible, follow along with the document we have created for this episode. There is a link to it in the description. For this episode, we have used advice from the University of California, Art Centre Melbourne, Brendan Carroll from the VCE Drama and Theatre Studies Network, University of Wisconsin, UK Theatre, Theatre Network Australia, Safe Theatres Australia, Creative Victoria and Live Performance Australia. Without any further ado, we bring you Safe and Ethical Practices with Brendan Carroll. I gladly welcome Brendan Carroll. Hello, Brendan. Hello. Thank you. That is a lot of sources, Mr. Waxman, that you have collected together for this document. Absolutely. Well, I have to be ethical and clear about exactly where I've got the information from. <laughs> and I'm very honoured to be listed among, you know, um, Live Performance Australia and Creative Victoria and all the, the myriad of other places you source this information from. So good work. Well, it's so great that you were able to develop such a robust list that we can use and jump yeah, thank off. You. Thank you. Uh, so I thought we might talk about starting with us, the teachers, and how yeah. what we, we can actually be showcasing how we develop these practices. So we're doing more showing and not telling. Yeah. Now we have a list of a few things that we could do. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I mean, us as teachers, I think we have to, um, you know, the, the theatre can be, in terms of safety, a quite, quite a dangerous place. But we have that extra level of duty of care um, with our students to make sure our students are safe. So we are, we are thinking like this all the time. So I think it's easy for us to, to talk about um, how we consider safety. Um, and also ethics in, in the workplace and in the theatre. And if we walk the walk, then the students will see that. It'll just be part of the culture, that that's what we do. Yeah. It's not even going to be something you need to actively teach, although you'll have to do some explicit teaching. They'll understand it from living it. That's exactly right. So should we go through this document bit by bit? Yeah, let's do it. Let's start with our dot point uh, one for how we as teachers can actually be showcasing our understanding. Okay, do you want to read it out? <laughs> yep. Understand the equipment you have and get training to maintain it properly. So no two theatres are exactly the same. Get training so you know how to use your stage equipment. Yeah, because, you know, uh, if you're working with lighting or sets or anything, it's a very unfamiliar environment and it's not something we, do, we work with every day. So proper training is the first thing. And, and I'm, we're talking about the basics here, first of all, like just simply climbing a ladder, you might assume you know how to do it. Um, but you need proper training into like, you know, into getting up that ladder. And, and then once you're up there, how to handle lights and, you know, globes and those things so there's there's a lot of basics that you need to um, be talking to your teacher about and saying how do i how do i know how to use this properly yeah and how many people do i need around me to support me properly and safely yeah that's exactly right yeah. um, same thing goes for software as well um, you don't want to jump on lighting software or, or sound cueing software and just start clicking buttons and before you know it you've you've deleted something or or made something you know cause something to not work as it as it's intended so there are always so many considerations when you're in unfamiliar environments. So the key here is go very slowly at first. Be cautious of everything you're doing. Ask lots of questions. Don't jump into something where you feel over your head or you don't know what you're doing. I know I've been in this situation when, with year seven or year eight tech club where, or a tech class where students have just pushed the volume up on everything because it's not working. And then they press mute off or something. And then it's so loud that, you know, that could easily do some damage. So even simple things like that. 
understanding the equipment before you touch it. That's right. I've been in theaters where students, you know, have been really quite advanced and they get, um, you know, they, they go and they go and turn on the lighting board and, and bring the lights up. And then you, we've blown lots of bulbs because they haven't warmed up the lights. Um, but just simple little things like that, that they didn't know um, because they didn't, they either weren't aware or they weren't told. So there's a lot of things to, to learn. And that jumps to dot point number two, that if your students are using stage aspects or equipment, make sure that it's age appropriate and skill level appropriate. Yeah, that's so right. That's making, yeah. making sure the year level um, and the ability match. Very correct. And, you know, if you're, if you're working in set design, that doesn't mean that you need to pick up a circular saw and start cutting things up. Um, you know, you can, if there's heavy lifting to be done, that can be done by adults. So make sure you're, Make sure you're you know, working within your school level that's appropriate. We don't expect you and um, no school should expect you to be working with equipment that um, is beyond your skill level. And number three is using pieces and equipment and connectors that are made for theatrical purposes. That's so right. you know, actually buy from a theatrical supplier because the hardware that you buy at a local whatever is not necessarily intended for theatrical use. And, yeah. You know, yeah. might blow up. Um, and, you know, plugging, you've got to be careful plugging like household lights into some um, lighting fixtures can um, can cause them to um, not function the way they're intended or, or to even blow up. But um, those are just little things um, that you need to be aware of. And that small spaces also have safety rules, where if we're not just talking about huge theatres here, we're talking about our, our black box drama rooms or our portables or wherever we're actually teaching our drama or, or working our drama in. That's right. We need to make sure that our exits are still clear in case of emergencies and people need to get out. You make sure that the ways are unblocked for audience members to, or, and actors and crew members to exit or to enter. These yeah. things are still really important. That's a huge, that's a huge part of, of set design, isn't it? It's just making sure that you have safe, um, safe ways for the, for the actors to enter, to enter and exit. And also um, for your audience to get in and out, especially in an emergency as well. Um, Theatres by their very design are fraught with danger. They're dark, they're dimly lit. Um, they cram lots of people into small spaces. So there is, there is, it has to be clearly articulated how you get in and out quickly um, should, should the need arise. Absolutely. And also when doing things simple, simply like painting flats or creating sets or, or doing things that you think are quite basic, that let's not forget that we have to be safe even when on the ladder, even when painting a flat. So we're using goggles, we're wearing closed-toed shoes, we're wearing gloves when we're handling things, we're avoiding loose-fitting clothing and we're tying back our hair. Like Those are some simple things we can remember to do whenever we're working on a show. Yeah, instructing. Yeah. And that's not just safety for you, but it's safety for the environment around you as well. You don't want to be um, you know, drilling things into the floor and slopping paint everywhere and all that kind of stuff as well. Absolutely. And if you want to find out more, you can listen to an awesome podcast uh, on theatre safety from Theatre Folk. And you can find that link in the description to this episode. It's theatrefolk.com forward slash podcast forward slash theatre dash safety. So jump on that if you want to have a look. Uh, there's also things you can do. And you can also use a risk assessment checklist. We're going to talk about two different kinds of checklists here. But here's a kind of five point um, system you can go through. Do you, are you happy to talk through that with me now? Yeah, definitely. Um, the first one being identifying hazards. So, um, you know, when you when you look objectively at a, at a theatrical design, you can you can pretty much see where there's going to be some pinch points. There's going to be like heights. There's going to be small spaces. There's going to be um, you know a lot of people in one area at one time trying to get through. So you can you can kind of see um, when you look at your designs where you might have problems. And then of course there's new problems that always arise from bumping onwards, where you look at something and go that ain't going to fit there or that's going to create too much chaos over here or that's going to be too sharp for the actor to use or, um, you know, this is going to be too much of a drop. So you have to, you have to consider all those things and constantly be identifying, um, especially I think this is a, 
a, a big part of the world of set design is you don't just make a set and build it and then that it's it's ready. You're constantly working on like how does this get used by the actors? How does this get used safely by the crew? Yeah, absolutely. And maybe make sure that everyone has their job and has their responsibility and, and they understand what they need to do. So when they're identifying those hazards, they can identify it for their specific area. That's right. Yeah. Great. And then we're assessing the risks. Yeah. So there's going to be lots of risks in lots of different areas. And this is, this is, I mean, it's such a broad assess the risks. So you, you know, if you're, a, if you're a sound or lighting designer, you're thinking about your cabling and tying up your cabling, um, properly and making sure there's no trip hazards. If you're a set designer, there's a myriad of risks you could be thinking about. Um, but you're always, for every single thing you do, there's going to be some kind of risk and you've got to, you've got to do your best to mitigate, um, you know, to, well, first of all, see the risk, then mitigate it. What are the ways that we can get around it? Um, I've got a good example here. We, um, we had a scene in a show that we did God of Carnage where we had to, um, the cast wanted to, well, the directors wanted to smash a bottle on the ground. And of course, with doing that, there's so many risks. There's, there's glass, there's the, you know, the audience, it could go on the audience. Um, and so we, we end up using sugar glass, which is a theatrical kind of glass that you can break. But then there's still a bunch of risks with that. Sugar glass can still cut you. Um, you need to still be aware. It can still freak out the audience if they think it's real. So there's, we had all these risks that we had to get around. So we had a million different sort of practices with the sugar glass and we made the audience aware that there'll be fake glass being broken. So um, just, you know, breaking a bottle, which seems so small, um, it took, you know, a long time to mitigate every single risk around doing that. Absolutely. And identify the hazards, you know, that might cause harm and what would be the consequence of that happening and who would that, who would that affect and to what extent those are the important questions that we're asking when we're assessing the risk of something, because we need to know how risky this will be. I think that's, that's so true. Yeah. Um, number three is evaluate existing controls. So that is looking at things that have already been done. What are things that are already in place? What do you have? What already, what already exists? You don't have to what, what, yeah, rewrite the, and reinvent the wheel. That's right. And your teacher, or if you're lucky enough to have tech people helping out in your school, um, your teacher or, or tech um, staff are the, are the go-to people for this. What, how do we already, they, they have a, a whole bunch of information that you can access. You know, how do we get around this? How do we fix this? How do we do this? How do we do it safely? Great. And then we can implement additional controls. Once we know what's already in place, we can look at what more we need to do to see that happen. How can we eliminate the risk or lower the risk? So just because at the start you're identifying potential hazards or problems, and then you're seeing what the outcome could be, you could mitigate those risks totally like you were talking about with the glass, um, that you can Definitely. go about managing the risks in a, in a productive and helpful yeah. way. And I think if you're, um, you know, if you're a director that's working with you know, a really physical scene with tumbling or fighting or any kind of physical scene, um, that it's, it's really important that you don't get, you don't feel rushed to finish your scene, um, to, to get it all done, um, which can happen in a school context. Um, but really talk to your teacher and say, I, wanna, I really want to do this slowly. I want to do it properly so that everyone's safe. Yeah, and then uh, you know, if you don't get it done, then the, the fight isn't finished. That's, that's right. how it works. Exactly. That, yeah. That's where it stops. But then we go back and we simplify. Yeah. And then when you finish, step five is to review and update, review and, and and updating when necessary, amending unforeseen hazards and control measures if they become ineffective and risk ratings are changing. Just making sure you're always reflecting on what you're doing and how you've done. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Risk right. testing forms. Yeah. So these are somewhat difficult to explain, I guess, in an audio form. And there are lots available if you want to find them online. Mm. You can find them. The Art Centre Melbourne has fantastic, like three or four different examples. Um, they'll be linked in the description. 
And there's also one from uh, the University of California. They've got a great one as well. Once again, link in the description if you want to find them. But risk assessment forms are pretty easily found uh, just by Googling as well. But we could talk through them quickly if you're happy to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Essentially, a risk assessment form is is a... um, it's a form where you working in your production role will go through all the perceived risk that you can think about. Um, so if you're a sound designer, you might be thinking about, you know, the volume of your sound, the um, tidiness of your cabling, the placement of speakers. Um, and so you'd be going through that list and, and going through all the potential risks and then, um, you know, mitigating those risks by, by having some kind of control. How, how are you going to um, be, get around that risk? And also how likely is the risk? Um, is this a, you know, trip hazards are really, really common, but you know, blown eardrums from loud, loud sounds aren't usually that common. So you've got to go, okay, what's the most important ones here? Um, and what's your control and who's responsible for that as well? So is it me? Is it the teacher? Is it someone else in the, as part of the class? So you've got to, it's basically saying, what is the risk? How am I getting around it? Um, how likely is it? And, um, who's responsible for mitigating the risk? Yeah, it's taking what we spoke through before and putting it on paper so everyone knows what they're responsible for. So it's there and it's clear. Absolutely. And some kind of, so the kind of questions are what kind of hazard? That could be a slip or trip hazard. It could be a fall from a height. It could be falling objects. It could be trapdoors or pits. Those are the kind of things. What's the hazard? How likely is it? What are the consequences of this happening? What is the risk? How, how will we actually control for it? And then who is responsible? As you said, those are just some of the key questions that we'll ask. Yeah, and that form is therefore I think some really obvious questions and some things that can just get your thoughts down on paper so you've planned it properly and yeah. planning as we said at the start is such an important part of ensuring a safe and ethical practice yeah definitely you can also do a really deep dive into this uh, for an incredibly detailed guide to different stages of the process for different production areas go to the University of California website and check out their amazing guide there will be a link in the description of this episode the Art Centre Melbourne has one as well yeah, 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 definitely check it out. So should we talk about um, the second part of this? We've talked about safety, but there's the second part, which is, um, which is ethical practices as well. And I yeah. think that um, I think that a lot of people hear and, and kind of generally understand what, what it is to be ethical, but might not really, really have a good grasp of what ethics are. Absolutely. And I think we can embed those in our programs as well. So once again, we're actually changing culture by having these part of our everyday. There's a, there's a list of like 10 to 15 different things you can do to reduce harassment and bullying, for example, in a workplace in regards to ethics and safety, because ethical treatment of people and safety of people and their well-being. You can get a full list in the resource that we're going to put out in this episode as well. But the kind of things that it it asks you to do to avoid harassment and bullying, you can make sure number one, everyone is responsible for creating and maintaining an inclusive, positive and supportive environment and make sure you actually value that inclusive and supportive environment, making sure you're appreciating differences and considering people equal without prejudice or favor uh, to ensure that you have processes in place for reporting and investigating bullying and harassment including sexual harassment. Uh, you're also making sure bullying and harassment, wherever it is found to have occurred, you'll take appropriate action against that. Um, you understand that uh, actually reporting bullying and harassment can be intimidating for people. So you make sure that it is open and that complaints of bullying and harassment are, are actually followed through in good faith and any investigation that, that no one should suffer reprisal or victimization as a result of putting forward a complaint uh, that we'll actually respect each other's dignity, regardless of your seniority or role in an organization or in the rehearsal room or in the classroom and that you will ensure that these principles are actually embedded early in the process to ensure that a safer, more inclusive um, working culture actually becomes normal. Yeah. And I think that's, those are ethical standards that you can apply across the board in any kind of business. Um, 
uh, and if you're wondering, you know, if, as a student, if you're wondering, how do I apply ethical standards to my production role? Let's say you've chosen lighting, sound, costume, makeup, and you're thinking, well, how do ethics apply there? Well, then there are actually quite specific ethical um, considerations that are in this document that you can read about. But just generally, um, if we're talking about, you know, ethics being moral standards that you have to uphold, then let's say you're working in hair and makeup. Well, you want to make sure that your makeup isn't tested on animals. You want to make sure that your makeup and hair designs are culturally appropriate. Um, if you have students playing cultures outside of their, um, outside of their own. Same with and that costume. can go for a number of different yeah, production areas. Yeah. Yeah, and we have a full list of dot points once again on the document. We do. There's so, so many here, isn't there? There's so many. Yeah. Ones you, do you want to race through one, one each at a time? Bang, bang, bang. Okay. Do you want to just race through them? Yeah, why not? And okay. people, if you want to read along from the document, you can find the document in the description of this episode. All right. So, let's go. Go. Hiring practices are equal opportunity. Designs are generally your own. Designs borrowed heavily by other designers or creatives are acknowledged. Ensuring that representations of other cultures and characterizations are appropriate. Feel free to listen to our episode on casting with authenticity. There will be a link to that episode in the description. Ensuring that costumes are sourced and manufactured by companies that pay their workers well and practice ethical working conditions, i.e. not sweatshops. Ensuring that representations of gender, sexuality, religion, disability, etc. are approached with careful consideration of performance style and theatrical intent. Ensuring that actors are comfortable with close and intimate contact and that their appropriate um, guidelines are agreed to. Ensuring that appropriate and respectful physical contact and language is used both on and off stage. Ensuring that representations of other cultures and characterizations are appropriate. Ensuring that all sounds are sourced from copyright free sources. Reduce secret or exclusionary practices. Ensuring all licensing and rights are properly acquired and acknowledged. And finally, audiences are properly prepared for triggering content in terms of design or the content of the show, like gunshots, strobe lights, violence, etc. Great. So ethics is, is such that I think they're slightly trickier part of this of this ethics versus safety, because I think different people have different concepts of yeah. ethics. Well, I think it's not stuff we usually think about too often. We do think about it, but we don't think about it as it's not as tangible as safety where you can see Absolutely it in not. front of you. Uh, but on that, do you want to talk through yeah. some things? Maybe we'll do, um, once again, you can read the document. So maybe we'll um, we'll go through the production area and give one or two for each. Yeah, let's give a couple for each, I think. Yeah, great. So how can we be safe for hair and makeup? Well, my students always ask me that. They say, oh, well, how do I, well, it's hair and makeup. How am I, how can I possibly be unsafe? And I say, well, there's lots of things. You need to make sure that you're hygienic and following um, a good, for good hygiene, not reusing sponges, for example, uh, making sure everything is packed and stored away properly because makeup can go yuck pretty quickly. Great. Great um, idea. There's also a great, um, there's a great uh, form. I'm not sure where it is, so maybe we'll find it and put a link in the description for this, for this podcast. But uh, there is a great um, uh, template for allergic reaction to ingredients in makeup that uh, makeup artists use all the time that you can download and have your cast write down. Because some people are allergic to little things um, in, in different areas of makeup. And so you can have, actually have your cast write down those things so you know exactly what you're putting on their, their faces. I'm not gonna, they're not going to react badly to it. Great. And once again, there's a, there's a full list of, of, of different ideas here for safety. For costume design, we're ensuring the costumes allow for a safe range of motion as needed by the actors and don't place any restrictions on their ability to move that's actually going to put them in a position mm. of danger. Sometimes theatrical costumes can be quite... Um, over the top and, and might cause um, injury to the actors, like blisters, sharp edges that might dig into the skin, you know, things that are bobby pinned together or pinned 
Um, so you've got to make sure that you're not hurting your actors too when you do costume designs. We're ensuring that when working on at heights above a meter, that three points of contact are maintained with any ladder or scaffolding system at all times. That three points, one, two, three, really important. Yeah, there's so much with set design. We won't go through everything, but um, you know, very shortly we're talking about like not using power tools, um, making sure that any big set design and construction is is done by adults and it's not outside of your skill set. Um, trip hazards, fall hazards, entry and exit points, scene changes, making sure there's enough light, um, and that can edge into the lighting a little bit as well, making sure that low lit situations function in a safe way. There's a lot to think about here. And then of course, when you're building things, when you're painting, when you're cutting, when you're all that sort of stuff, you have to consider the safety of doing that in an open space where you're, you're wearing the appropriate equipment. Um, there's a lot to consider there that you set. So it's a very easy one to think about for safety because there's so much you need to consider. And that was that document we mentioned earlier that just goes into incredible detail from the University of California. It's fantastic. Don't forget there's yeah, a uh, link yeah. to that in the description. Yeah. Um, and with props, these are making sure that edible props are non-toxic and safe to consume and not left out, not left That's to right. spoil yeah. like they're really taken care and of. The cast might, uh, you, know, you might have like peanuts on the set and you might have anaphylactic students or people in the cast or the crew. So you've got to think about that sort of stuff as well. And um, make sure the prop functions as it's supposed to, you know, that, yeah, that's right. that, that knife that's, right. that's supposed to slip away, make sure it does. And of course, weaponry is a big one because, you know, you want to make sure that your weaponry is, is non-harmful, blunt, and stored away, not being carried around. We've had situations where people grab, you know, the prop gun and walk down the corridor with it at school and cause all kinds of, of, um, of safety concerns. So just making sure that things are stored away um, and also non-harmful. Well, we just had a, an episode with Andrew Stoker about the 10 commandments of theater or the 10 rules of the theater. And the number one for him was don't touch other people's props. And that's don't touch other people's costumes. Don't touch other people's props. Yeah. Of course, if it's weapons, but if it's anything, just it's the stage manager's responsibility and the personal actor's responsibility to ensure that that yeah, prop is taken right. care of. Don't yeah. touch it. So lighting, lighting, there's so much to consider here. And I think, I think it was really good with lighting to sit down and talk to your teacher about, you know, safety before you start to do anything because there's so much that you can do wrong with lighting. For example, you know, just touching a light bulb with your fingers, you get, you get a little bit of like that grease that's on your fingers that we all have as human beings on the light bulb that can actually burn and cause the light to crack and break. So um, there's just little things like that that you might not know about that can end up costing a lot of money to fix. Yeah. And even if you haven't been taking care of your light, lighting and there's dust and it hasn't been emptied and taken care of all those little things that can That's cause right. a fire you know, yeah. in your drama space. So just be aware of making yeah. sure you're, you're, you're taking there's care of your equipment. There's a lot to learn with lighting. And I think your teacher can take you through that. And it's all in the document here in, the, in a big long list. I think there's about 10 dot points here. Absolutely. Yeah. Then, and that comes back to training as well. Um, and directing and acting, we kind of put together, although they're obviously different, um, they are for the theater studies purposes, um, the, the actors and directors are, are often the same person, especially when it comes to the, the monologue task. So, right. Yeah. So, you know, as an, as an actor, you've got to be really safe. Um, and you've got to make sure you take, you, you warm up physically and vocally before every show. It's really important. And you've, you've probably all seen it at the end of like a, a long season of a show or a school production, you have cast losing their voices because they use it so much. So, you know, ensuring that, that you're warmed up and that you're also in between performances, not using your voice um, too much that you actually cause damage to your vocal cords. Happens a lot with actors and singers. And we've talked about rehearsing the fight choreography slowly and That's talked right. about low lit situations, making sure that we have that, that clear signal of stop or, or, or no, whatever that word is. And stop really does mean stop. And if you say it, everything does stop. 
those are going to be really important for ensuring it's a really safe yeah, that, environment for everybody. That's right. And I think we touched on this before, but ensuring that the actors are comfortable with close and intimate contact, I think is really important, especially considering um, a lot of the, the um, lawsuits that have happened in the theater industry um, where there hasn't been those parameters carefully agreed to, um, you know, it might just be a, a, a kissing scene or, uh, or anything. It doesn't have to be a kiss. It could be just close physical contact. Um, you've got to have really tight parameters around it and, and every actor agreeing to exactly what they're, what these, those boundaries are. Yeah. Cause anecdotes from show, musicals like cats and other shows where you know, close physical contact is expected from, from the cast on stage, people knowing when yeah. to stop and you know, right. making things, making sure things are choreographed and things yeah. don't go over the line. Yeah. And last but not least sound. Yeah. This is back to you. cabling. We've mentioned this a few times today, making sure your cabling and speakers and instrumentation is put away properly, taped down properly, marked properly with the right tape. That's often a detail that you need to know. You'll probably have someone at your school that can also test and tag things. So if you're bringing in um, things from home that haven't been tested and tagged, that's important that they do that to make sure that they're, they're functioning properly. Something else with sound I think that people don't really think about is, is um, the volume of the sound has to not interfere with the actors, the actors and the crew's ability to communicate with each other. So you've got to make sure your, your sound works cohesively with the lighting design and with the set changes. Um, and that doesn't cause discomfort for their actors, audience or the crew. And there's a pretty sensational 90 minute long workshop run by the Theatre Network Australia. And that's actually available for free. There'll be a link in the description, but that's tna.org.au forward slash safety theatres workshop. So it's awesome to sit there for 90 minutes and listen to the professionals discuss this topic. Yeah, that's a great one. Absolutely. Brilliant. Well, that is the, that is the beginner's guide to understanding uh, safe and ethical practices in the theatre. Uh, we hope it was a great introduction to you and a huge thanks to Brendan Carroll for coming in and talking through uh, so much of the work that he's done in this area. That's okay. Thank you so much for having me. No problem at all. And hopefully we'll see you again soon. Yes. Well, when the world goes back to normal and the theatre gets back to, you know, gets back to doing its thing and um, we can finally go see shows and put on shows and make some magic again. We'll all be back together. Brilliant. Thank you for being here. Looking forward to it. Okay. See ya. Well, that is all from us at The Aside. A huge thanks to Brendan Carroll for jumping online and recording this podcast, especially under the current circumstances. To find any of the resources we discussed in today's episode, just go to the episode description. There are over 250 episodes in our bank, so feel free to go through those and find one that piques your interest. If you would like to ask us a question, please do not hesitate to do so at asidepodcast at outlook.com. We answer a number of emails each week and are keen to help. If you have a suggestion for a future episode, do not hesitate to contact us on Facebook or at asidepodcast at outlook.com. Thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here, to Aaron Searle for providing the music, to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support, and of course, thank you for listening.